What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition. And today, just a minute ago everyone, he just left, I had my uh, my friend Craig Johnson in here. Craig is, I met Craig as the uh, prop master for the Stuff You Should Know TV show years ago. And uh, Craig and I just hit it off. He's a good dude. We have a lot in common. We have similar taste and interest. And we were, we were set pals, uh, which is always fun. We had a it's so much fun working on a TV show, guys, and to hang out, and it's such a familial experience, and you end up just becoming really close with these people, and you goof off, and you have a good time, and you're eating lunch together all day, and and working, and tireless hours, and it's a real bonding experience. So uh, Craig and his, uh, well, his now wife, they were uh, just boyfriend-girlfriend at the time, Karen Freed, she worked as our um, our lead wardrobe a costumer, and uh, they work both now on Stranger Things. Um, it's kind of cool, you know. They they get to work together some as a married couple, which is great because uh, there's such long hours, and it can be very hard on a marriage, the film business. So if you get on the same gig, it's kind of good because you get to spend time with one another. And so Karen uh, works in the wardrobe department on Stranger Things. Going to have her in here uh, for the final part four. Uh, until I get those Duffer Brothers. Uh, and this is part three of the Stranger Things special. Uh, Craig works as an on-set dresser, um, and as you will soon find out, uh, has has inserted some pretty cool Easter eggs on that show with his, uh, with his own musical venture, Space Knife, uh, which you should check out on YouTube. It's really great stuff. Craig is a child of the 80s, uh, much like myself, a great lover of all things uh, 80s. And so his movie pick... Uh, as a sci-fi nut himself was the thing. Uh, and so that's what we talk about right here and right now. Please to enjoy. 
Yeah, let's talk about the TV show. What went wrong? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. I think it was okay. I think it was okay. I, I liked it. I had a lot of fun working on it. Yeah, me too. I yeah. think that was the thing is we had a good time. Mm-hmm. We were, I think, I'm not going to pretend we were like groundbreaking, <laughs> but we were a bit ahead of our time. I think so. For like a podcast doing their thing on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting that years later, it's sort of happening a lot more now. And like people writing articles about all these podcasts on TV, but no one ever mentions like the, <laughs> the Trailblazers. It's like, we, we already did that. <laughs> People have come back. We've had, like, not offers, but because uh, now our network is with an agency, mm-hmm. like Joss and I aren't, but the whole network is. And they've come back and been like, hey, you guys want to take another stab at it? And I'm always kind of like, not really. <laughs> like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I think I like the audio thing. Yeah. It's good for me. It's like, we tried that and uh, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's like, have you seen the first thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe we could do something more normal. Um. Let's look behind you. The uh, thing is falling off yeah. the wall. Yeah, this whole studio is falling apart. That one fell off the other day. <laughs> and I just set it on the floor. Uh, <clears throat> how's Josh Zills doing, by the way? Oh, he's great. Yeah? Yeah, I see him. I'm actually going to hang out with him tonight. Oh, cool. Um, is he in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, he moved here uh, almost right before started shooting. So yeah, know. that's what I thought. Yeah, he was a good friend from a long time ago. Yeah. Let's talk about your background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alabama, right? Yeah, Decatur, Alabama. Which is, I, I know I've heard of that. Where is that? It's uh, near Huntsville. It's about an hour north of Birmingham. Okay. Mm-hmm. And near the Space Center, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Which is great. What uh, Did you go there when you were a kid? Was that like uh, the school trip? I went there a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, they actually have a space camp there that I never got to go to. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of sad. I know that movie. Mm-hmm. That was a big one for me yeah, growing they, up. Yeah, they filmed it there. Oh, did they really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Uh, p- parts of it, they actually filmed there. Right. Um, so how does a guy like you come from Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not to make fun of Alabama. Alabama's great. No, Alabama's great. But uh, I was definitely the – I was like the grunge kid at my high school. Okay. Like it was – everybody was very – Sports. Yeah, sure. You know, oriented and hunt and fish. Yes. Was, <laughs> and then I was the grunge kid. And the, the sport of kill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I was. I would think you were a bit of a, uh, not an outcast, but like a black sheep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Had v- very few friends in high school. Um, uh, the ones I did have were the few that were there that were kind of like me. Right. But, uh yeah, there wasn't very many. Yeah, and you don't have an accent, uh, kind of like me. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of my friends make fun of me, like some of my LA friends say I have like this huge Southern accent. I'm like, no, I don't. I really I don't, just don't. Yeah, it's like I don't hear it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have words mm-hmm. as you might as well, like not sayings, but expressions, and certain words we'll use. And it it comes up more when I start drinking. Yeah, definitely, it definitely seeps out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You want to kill some deer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what you? What, did, were you in music in high school? Because I, I definitely want to talk about and let everyone know about Space Knife. Oh. But let's let's go back to the beginning of the music stuff. Um, I was in band for like one year, and like the marching band, in the marching band, uh-huh. playing saxophone for like a year. And oh, which mid- one? Uh, alto sax. Okay, I played yeah. tenor sax. Nice. for one year. Nice <laughs> <laughs> when I was actually in elementary school. Uh, it was fun, but. I 
never really got into it. Yeah. And then I think uh, the Nirvana Nevermind album came out and I was like, I have to get a guitar. Oh, okay. So and, that was it. And that was it. Yeah. That's That was kind of the turning point that made me actually want to start playing music. Yeah. What was your first guitar? It was a <laughs> Kramer Focus. Oh, nice. <laughs> what is the deal with like – why is why has no one ever gotten a, a cool good first guitar? Because <laughs> mine was awful. It was yeah. a metal. It was a BC Rich, <laughs> red cherry red. And of course, in my defense, it was. I mean, shit, man. I was thirteen, so it was like nineteen eighty three, mm-hmm. and it was I was Eddie Van Halen crazy, sure, which I still am. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was my excuse. <laughs> What's up with the Kramer? Um, I actually had to buy it myself, uh-huh. and it was cheap. Oh, okay. I could afford to buy. I'd saved up enough money. I could buy that and a, a small uh, Marshall mini stack mm-hmm. uh, used uh, for like very cheap. So I could afford to buy both of them. Right. All I right. Could, I could either afford to buy a nice guitar and no amp or a cheap guitar and a cheap amp. Well, that's a good point because mm-hmm. my guitar was pretty cheap, and it's not like when you're 13 – you have the money to go out and buy a Les Paul standard, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, let me go drop <laughs> six grand. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense. And were you self-taught? I, well, I was uh, going to church a lot yeah. as a kid and I was started playing in the I did that. church band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have a band though. Yeah. They didn't allow that. It was like on, uh, oh, I, I, was, I was self-taught up to a point and then I started playing like on. And then God took over. Yeah, <laughs> and then God came into a yeah. hut and I could, I could play awesome. Um, but no, I was I got asked to play like in the youth group band on Wednesday nights. Yeah, and my cousin, who's a drummer, is an amazing drummer. Uh-huh. And there was another guy that was playing guitar, and they were both phenomenal, you know, musicians. Yeah. So it was me trying to like catch up to them while we were uh, practicing. So I learned a lot. Yeah. Well, that's what they say you should do, and mm-hmm. kind of everything in life, like sports and music, like. Surround yourself with people better than you, mm-hmm. and that's the way you get better and challenge yourself or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it definitely helped because before that, I was just – just everything was just bar chords yeah. over and over again. And then playing with these guys, like I had to learn. I was actually going back and forth between guitar and bass at the time. So that uh-huh. kind of – I think that, that helped because I was playing a lot of bass with those guys. Right. And then translating that back to guitar, actually doing more with my fingers than just playing – Sure. You know, regular chords. Yeah. I, I still can't play three notes of a solo together. Like, I've just never learned. I never, I've been mm-hmm. playing guitar now for 30, like 30 something years. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. Like, you know, when you go to the guitar store and everyone's like, has their, their noodle jam that they mm-hmm. do to, to test things out? <laughs> I have none. I'd I'm, say, I'm always like, uh, let me just play, play my chords. But I'm a rhythm guitar player. And exactly. I had to, Write that with myself mm-hmm. and be like, you know what? I, I'm not a solo player. That's why we have a lead guitar player. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I never, I never, uh, never could do solos. You can do some solos. I've seen you. Yeah, <laughs> more than me. <laughs> Trust me, man. Like I literally cannot play single notes. It's, it just <laughs> feels weird and awkward, and I never learn. It's like if you played left-handed and you're right-handed. That's mm-hmm. how it feels. It's that bad. Are you doing? Um, other band stuff besides Space Knife right now? Uh, I, I just write a lot of music. Yeah. And it's kind of all over the place. A lot of like either just guitar rock or synth stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, but for the past year, it's been mostly just synth stuff doing yeah. writing stuff for Space Knife. All right. Well, let's 
<laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. Uh, for everyone listening, Space Knife is um, – it's sort of like Pedro the Lion is David Bazan. Like, you are Space Knife. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not a group per se. No. It's Except, just you, right? Yeah. Well, in the videos, it's me and then a bunch of other me in the background playing the keyboards. Right. <laughs> this is a bunch of views. So it's just more of me. Yeah. Yeah. So how many songs can you can you find on YouTube? There are four music videos on YouTube right now. And what are the names of these songs? Um, the first one, I did a song. I wrote a song about a jetpack. Mm-hmm. And it was before there was anything about Space Knife. Right. And I just wrote a song about a jetpack. And <laughs> my roommate and I made a video for it. Uh-huh. And then uh, I was going to, the second song I did, I wrote a song about a Space Knife. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, wait, that's a good name. So I wound up <laughs> retroactively naming the band Space Knife for the first song. And after the song. Yeah. Which is after an object. Yes. Okay. Which was a space <laughs> knife. <laughs> exactly. And which is the one uh, with the parenthetical in the title? Uh, shield. Uh, oh, uh, I'm taking off. Shield your eyes. Shield your yeah. eyes. <laughs> and shield your eyes is in parentheses, yeah. <laughs> which is a classic rock motif. I'm glad you're bringing it back. <laughs> Trying to. There was a, a time when I was doing an EP and like every I was going to have every song Every song be that way. Uh huh. Yeah. You know. Oh, uh, parenthetical. <laughs> God, I love it, dude. Uh, how would you describe Space Knife, though? It's like, how would you describe it? Uh, it's very like new wave pop. Yeah, eighties synth pop. But I mean, uh, there's a tongue in the cheek, but you're not mm-hmm. like making fun of that music at all. It's like no, fully no, no, embracing no. it. Mm-hmm. Um. I think people just need to check it out to fully get what's going on. <laughs> yeah, because it started out as as a humorous thing. Yeah. But then – But it's good. It, yeah. It's uh, like really good thank, music. Thank and you. like the videos, <laughs> you look – I mean, it looks pulled straight out of like 1983. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's what I – and uh, we found this uh, video camera that we were going to shoot one of the videos with. Uh-huh. That we did shoot the Space Knife music video with. And when we turned it on, uh, it, the date that the last time it had been turned on was 1983. Uh, wow. Like, uh, and so that's where we kind of based Space Knife uh-huh. in that year. You retrofitted it. <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to make like a fake documentary about Space Knife. About uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Being from the 80s and then interviewing the, uh, all the band members now, but me playing all the band members, but just uh-huh. never talking about the fact that we all look the same. Just Are you still going to do that? I, I, I would love to. Because it's sort of, I mean, it, it's, it's like a performance art project, mm-hmm. but at the center of it is this really good 80s synthy music. Mm-hmm. Um. I love it, man. And it has since taken on a new life uh, because of Stranger Things. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. You guys were kind enough to help hook me up with uh, the fellas mm-hmm. for the interview with Harbor and Kiri and uh, Gelman. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things Part 1 and 2. This is officially Stranger Things Part 3. <laughs> uh, what is your official job? Are you prop master? No. Um, no, I'm the onset dresser. Okay. So I deal with the, the sets while we're shooting and make sure – Sets look good on camera. Right. Try to maintain continuity of everything um, while we're shooting. Right. Obviously, I'm moving a lot of furniture around to make room for camera and then making sure it all goes back into place. Sure. But you are you dressing the set to begin with? No. We, I, I come in when it's already been set. Okay. It's already been dressed. And I come in with the shooting crew. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of like the set deck representative while we're yeah. actually shooting. Right. Which I under, I know because I've, I've been on shoots before. but. Mm-hmm. For everyone listening, like, you're there. Uh, it's a cool gig because you're there during all the, the fun stuff, mm-hmm. which is when cameras are rolling mm-hmm. and actors are acting. You're kind of right there closely watching 
uh, to to zoom in there and do whatever needs to be done, mm-hmm. prop yeah. wise, right? And uh, set. No, set wise, not props. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Props yeah. got to be handled differently, right? It is. Uh, I was prop master on the the stuff you should know show, right? Uh, but on this, I'm an onset dresser. Well, and stuff you should know, everyone. There was a lot of cross pollination. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot on that one too. But uh, for these shows, the bigger shows are. It's a little more specific, exactly. To as to what you do. Yeah, I, I I work a lot with the directors and director of photography to make sure they're happy with sure. the sets, and so it's cool. I just get them, you know, actually get to work with the directors. Yeah, and you know, the DPs a lot. It's I don't know. It's really fun. Yeah. So what is uh, what are the duffers like? What are those dudes like? I, I am gonna get them in here one day. I'm determined <laughs> to get both those guys. Uh, they're great. They're super nice and very knowledgeable about this, you know, the type of show they're making. They, right. You know, it's, it's definitely a love letter to that kind of stuff that uh-huh. they grew up with. Yeah. And they're, um, they, I mean, they have a super specific vision, but I've also heard that they're pretty collaborative in general, right? Oh, v- very much so. Like I've even, you know, would suggest something and I'd be like, yeah, that sounds good. Or like uh, Karen, uh, my wife, she was the assistant costume designer. Uh-huh. Who's uh, going to be a guest as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, she, you know, she threw out a lot of ideas for wardrobe, and they're like, "Yeah, that that works." And so, like, you know, they're very open to, you know, you know, anybody's opinion. That's really good. That's cool. It's really cool. And they run a, a pretty fun set. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's it's super busy. Yeah, it's it, ambitious. There, there's a lot of, especially this season was the biggest thing I've ever I've worked on. I think. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, but they try to keep it fun and uh, not stressful. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. But it's it's a lot of work. I mean, we're always working nonstop the whole time. Well, yeah, because you guys are are putting together like these mini movies mm-hmm. every week. I mean, it's and each season has grown in scope and budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you can't really talk about this upcoming season, but the, with the way those Gelman and those guys were teasing it, it's like it, it sounds pretty great. It's it's like I I, I love season one and two, uh, but I think this is. This season is it's so big. Yeah, it's. I know it's. I'm really excited about you know about yeah. watching it. I like I, I, I want to watch it, and I know everything that happens. <laughs> right, right. I know everything that's going to happen, but I'm so excited to watch it. Uh huh. Yeah, that kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought season two was better than season one, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people did. I did see some people like poo pooing it, but I thought it was great. I I liked it. I think I liked season one better. Oh really? Um, I think I just liked the the story better. Yeah, um, well, and th- there was something to the newness of mm-hmm. – because uh, now, I mean, of course, because of the success of that, there have been movies now coming out and other things that are like, hey, let's let's do that. Let's go yeah. back to the early 80s, which is great. Yeah, which is great because I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, but, but feels, Stranger Things kind of started it for sure. Yeah, yeah we, we – uh, I was talking to the Duffers about that on set and they were talking about how like everybody's ripping them off. Even though, you know, and, but they're ripping off everybody else. From right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an homage. Exactly, yeah. You know, that's cool, though, that they got that opportunity. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, th- this is the first thing they've done, right? They've done, uh, they did uh, an indie feature. And okay. Then, and they've been writing for a while. Right. On other stuff. Uh, and then okay. they just, I think they just developed this concept and, had you know, got to pitch it. Yeah. And the pitch, apparently pitched it to a lot of networks before Netflix finally picked it up. Well, Netflix is uh, – I watched the, that Coen Brothers anthology, the Buster mm-hmm. Scruggs, uh, the other day and was reading an interview with them. And they asked why Netflix and and they were like, because they're the people that are funding like good shit right mm-hmm. now. 
He said they're the kind of the only studio that's not intent on just hammering reboots and remakes and uh, sequels. And he's like, that's some of the best like original content out there they're doing. Mm-hmm. He's like, so that's why we went to Netflix. <laughs> it's like pretty simple. And it's like same thing with Stranger Things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Netflix, they seem to be making so much original content. Yeah. It's, it's great. I love it. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you deal with, do you deal with the network people at all ever? No, nah, I, n- I never see anybody. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's how it should be, I guess. Yeah. I yeah, I don't really see a lot of like um you know I don't know what happens, you know, offset, but while we're there, like I don't see people coming in and telling the us, we should you should guys should shoot something like like this instead. Right. It's like they seem to be left alone to make what they want to make. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's smart. Yeah. I when think you so. have like two creatives like that. That's awesome, man. I need to get those dudes in here. Uh so what about growing up for you? I mean, obviously, how old are you now, actually? Forty. Really? Mm-hmm. Dude, I always just think of you guys as <laughs> kids still. You're not that far behind me then. Mm-mm. I mean, seven years. But f- for some reason, I mean, I guess stuff you should know was a little while ago. But 40. Yeah, 40. Damn, Greg. This year, yeah, March. What's your birthday? Tw- the March 23rd. Oh, okay. I'm the 15th. Nice. Fellow Pisces? Or are you? Aries. Oh. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't even know what Aries means <laughs> or Pisces. None of it means anything. Uh, so, all right, then that makes a little bit more sense because I know how like uh, how much you love the 80s. Mm-hmm. But I was always like, Craig's too young to have lived through the 80s. <laughs> but that's not true. Mm-hmm. You were born then in what? 78. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were in your formative years. Yeah, I think that's why like everything I do, like because I, you know, I, Write scripts, uh-huh. write short films, but in music I write, it's all very '80s inspired, yeah. you know, '80s influenced, yeah. Because uh, that's what was so important to me at the time. Because you know, living with my mom, she was super big into '80s movies, uh-huh. all those movies in the '80s and music. Uh, Do you have siblings? Uh, I have a younger brother and younger sister. Oh, okay, but they're much younger. Gotcha. Yeah. My sister's eight years younger. My brother's 13 years younger. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you were getting your cultural feed from your mom largely? Uh, mostly, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because she – and she loves science fiction. She loves fantasy movies. Oh, Actually, really? She loves action movies. Oh, that's awesome. And she loves – and a lot of like 80s pop. So that's where I got <laughs> – Yeah. My love for 80s pop came from. It's just like <laughs> listening to Top 40 radio. That's know. really cool. Mm-hmm. You guys still close? Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I don't get to go home as much as I want to. Uh-huh. Even though it's only like four hours away. It's not that far. But yeah. when you're working on a show, it's like. Yeah, that's all you do. Your whole life is just that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if people understand that. When you're on a show like this or a movie, mm-hmm. are you guys doing six-day weeks or five-day weeks? Uh, most of the time it's five-day weeks. But you're doing stuff probably. You're doing like mi- minimum minimum 12 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and usually – and fret. Your Fridays can usually spill over into your Saturday. Right. So it's really – most of the time you don't even have like a real weekend. Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. you're going to work and you're mm-hmm. coming home and then you're sleeping. Exactly. And then you're getting up and then you're going to work uh, and then you're coming home and you're sleeping. And that's just for – how many months did you guys shoot? Uh, this one went April to November. Oh, man. It was a long one. It was the longest one I've done. Yeah. That's a good gig though. Yeah, it was great. I mean that's your that's your financial year right there. Yeah, for the most part. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, except for, you know, designing the stuff you should know Christmas <laughs> show, which you guys did a great job, by the way. Oh, thank you. That was a it lot was of amazing. fun. Um, but let's talk about Space Knife on Stranger Things mm-hmm. because uh, 
a lot of listeners to the show love Stranger Things, and I I don't know how many people have noticed the the Easter eggs. <laughs> so how did that happen, and how did you talk those guys into inserting yourself into their TV show? <laughs> um, well, the my boss, the set decorator, Jess Royal, she came up to me and asked if I wanted to – this is during season one. Okay. Asked if I wanted to make anything, like make a fake commercial or make something just to be on a TV in the background because they were just looking for stuff uh-huh. to fill it. Um, but I didn't have time and then to make anything. And she was like, well, what if I offer your Space Knife videos? Because she had seen them. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, please. So she sent uh, all three that I had at the time uh, to them. And they went up picking one and putting it on a TV in the background. <laughs> and the song is playing. The song is playing it for like 30 seconds. Which one is it? The I'm Taking Off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, camera pans by, you see me like, you know. Really quick on the TV, and uh-huh. my, my song is playing for the whole scene. And so it's crazy. In uh, what episode is that? Uh, for people epi- that want to go seek that out. Episode two. Of season e- one. Season one. All yeah. right. And you were also, there is a, what other Easter eggs? There's a video game? Uh, that's in season two, but also in season one, at the, in like episode seven, there's a movie theater, and there's like a small Space Knife, the movie poster. Uh-huh. It's like, it's really small. It's really hard to see, but, <laughs> but I've worked that in there. But in season two... There is a we made a fake uh, a v- you know, video game. Yeah, an arcade game, right? Mm-hmm. I had I, I did animation for an actual game. We were going to try to have somebody pretending like they're playing it, <laughs> but we didn't have time to get like a uh, the arcade cabinet with a TV right. that we could put in there. So we just did the uh, the artwork. It just uh-huh. had to be like out of order in the back. Gotcha. And then so that's in the arcade scene. You can see the Space Knife arcade game. Yeah, it's in like the back room in the back office. All right, <laughs> and then in. Uh, Actually, in uh, uh, Brett Gelman's house uh-huh. in season two, there's a Space Knife record you can see pretty clearly. That's right. Yeah. And is that it? Uh, I think I – in the house party scene, the Halloween scene um, in season two, like I think I wrote Space Knife rules on the <laughs> – you, you think you did? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I did, but I don't know if you can see it or not. It, it's it, The camera passes by it really fast, but uh-huh. I wrote Space Knife rules like in marker on the refrigerator. R-U-L-Z? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, you got to put the L's. Yeah, put, <laughs> the put preferred the spelling. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great, man. It's so cool. Like mm-hmm. every time I saw something Space Knife on there, and you're in my phone is Space Knife, nice. <laughs> which is hysterical. So hopefully we said the words Space Knife 48 <laughs> times, uh, and everyone just needs to check it out. And you gave me a sneak peek of your new video. Mm-hmm. Um, can you even say what you did there, or would that get you in trouble? Uh, I don't think so. No. Um, so in the very last day of shooting mm-hmm. – um, there were two sets that were still built for season three of Stranger Things that we were done shooting in, but they haven't taken them down yet. Yeah. And uh, the production designer and the Duffer brothers were nice enough to let me go in there and shoot. Space Knife video. A Space Knife video <laughs> in those two sets. Uh, but they said, you can do it as long as you don't release it until after the show comes out. Right. So that's fine. And you shot it during lunch, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Over 30 minutes? Yeah, we had like 30 minutes to go. And so we did like two takes in, the, in each set really fast. So great, dude. Yeah. It, was... it looked really good. Oh, thank you. And the production value, like the production value is built in because of these great sets. Yeah, the sets are amazing. But the fact yeah. that you were still able to even get something workable in 30 minutes is just mm-hmm. amazing. I uh, Fortunately, the one set had you know, built in practical lights. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I had brought in two lights. And so I had set those up earlier in the day. So it was ready to go. So just, as soon as we like broke for lunch, I like, went and changed, uh-huh, changed my outfit. <laughs> I just ran in there and we just shot it really quick. Into your uh, Space Knife blazer. <laughs> is that correct? It was like a black jean jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. 
Such good stuff, man. You got sweet moves. Uh, <laughs> so everyone support Space Knife. Go look up the the videos on YouTube. It is really good '80s music, and um, you're I know you're working on like a legit album mm-hmm. to to be released. Yeah, at some point, which I'm just super excited about. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I have it done so I can release it right around the time Stranger Things season three comes out. Sure, <laughs> capitalize on that. <laughs> Try to ride that wave. Get a little juice. <laughs> You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, dude. Well, let's get into the thing. Mm-hmm. Um. This is uh, – I know you debated a little bit about Alien mm-hmm. or The Thing. Is that right? Uh, there, there were several movies I was thinking of, and it was funny. Like three of them were Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Oh, interesting. I just got kind of killed recently for uh, talking about how Stallone was far more talented than Schwarzenegger. And some people on Facebook got really mad at me. <laughs> um, I think Arnold's great. He can throw a dude out a window and mm-hmm. say a line and chomp on a cigar is perfect for those movies, but yeah. as, as I just made the argument that Stallone's sheer talent for like writing films and making you know, and writing Rocky and sure and other and other great movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I didn't mean to disparage <laughs> the Governor. He's great. What movies? Terminator uh, Two. Terminator Two. Sure. Uh, Predator. Okay. And uh, the first Conan movie. Oh, yeah, I love that movie so much. Yeah. What is it about sci-fi for you? I I don't know I don't know if it's because of my you know parents that loved it so much or 
I had, you know, two older cousins that were super into it. Mm-hmm. And one of my cousins had like Star Wars on tape. And so every time I would go to his house, we would watch it. Yeah. Until I was able to, you know, get my own copy at the house. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just love sci- science fiction. It was always what appealed to me. I, it was, a, you know, the main thing I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch Star Wars every day. I yeah. To, and as soon as I discovered the Aliens movies, I just wanted to watch those every day. Yeah. God, I love them so much. Yeah, that first, uh, I mean, someone will pick Alien at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one was great. Mm-hmm. And there has been bits of greatness since then, too. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the third one. Uh, I didn't really care for the fourth one. And I haven't really cared for Prometheus or yeah. Covenant. Uh, I mean, they look great. They look great. Uh, but there is something missing. Mm-hmm. There was something about those first two. And for me, especially that first one, I remember my brother uh, – that was one of the movies that I wasn't allowed to see, and I have a brother three years older. So we, he did this a few times where he would go see a movie, and then he, we would sit up at night, and he would tell me the movie. Nice. Almost in real time. <laughs> like, I remember specifically him ta- telling me Alien, and it took, like, over an hour. So it wasn't quite real time, but it was. he really went through the whole thing because mm-hmm. I was like, and then what happened? And yeah. then what happened? And it's like, and then they bled milk, and then the— <laughs> That the blood was acid, and then it came out of the guy's chest, and uh, I was. That was how I saw those movies in my mind's eye. Mm -hmm. Was through that and like Mad Magazine, yeah, reading the movie spoofs. I uh, there was also like the magazines like uh, like Starlog, yeah, that would come out that I could go and I could read those at the bookstore. Uh huh. Um, Yeah, and like a lot of those old movie magazines. There was another one that was a Fangoria. Fangoria, yeah. Yeah. It's like both of those. I loved them. Yeah, were you are you into horror horror as well, or is it not as much as science fiction? Uh huh. Um, But I I do love the sci-fi horror crossovers, like The Thing and Alien, yeah, Predator, and like Like, where does this fit in The Thing for you? Like, do you remember your first experience with it? Uh, it had to have been like late late at night on HBO. Yeah, at a friend's house or at a cousin's house or right. something because I don't think I would have seen it I didn't see it in the theater for sure yeah I definitely didn't it, see it it was like a I think probably a VHS deal for me mm-hmm. um, and it was 1982 Escape from New York was just before this mm-hmm. and that was my first R-rated movie that I saw nice on uh, at all but it was on VHS at, mm-hmm. a, at a dude's house um, and so the thing like after I had gotten permission uh, and I've told this story before, but being, you know, raised in a Southern Baptist sort of conservative uh, household, like I wasn't allowed to watch all, a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But once that wall had been broken, then it was kind of like, all right, you can watch The Thing and, you know, movies like this. I wasn't watching Porky's, but right. although I super wanted to because <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was just a shitty movie. <laughs> yeah, I uh, m- my mom was never – she never really uh, stopped me from watching or sci-fi. That's great. Yeah, she never really – if it's something she thought was going to be really bad, she would, you know, send me away to watch it. But right. for the most part, she just kind of trusted me to, yeah. you know, watch what I thought I could handle. Yeah, I think that was the same thing for me. I was always a good kid mm-hmm. and proved myself trustworthy with stuff. Uh, I, was, I wasn't getting into trouble. I wasn't sneaking out and getting drunk mm-hmm. back then. Um, I probably missed out, but <laughs> – yeah, same. I think I probably missed out. But we do that now yes. as I sit here with a slight hangover. <laughs> um, all right. So 1982, one of the great years for movies, period. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Russell, of course. Peak peak Kurt Russell, probably, I think. 
from like 82 to 87. Yeah. I, 81 I th- to 87. I think at the time he still wasn't like a, the, the biggest star just yet. But, I mean, but as yeah. far as like my favorite Kurt Russell movies. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and I remember seeing him as a kid mm-hmm. uh, in those early Disney movies mm-hmm. um, when he was like a child actor. Um, so he had always been around, but that 80 to 86, I looked up his resume and from 80 to 86, it started with used cars, mm-hmm. which is just a great, <laughs> so good. great 80s comedy. <laughs> Felt 70s still because it was 80. Uh, to 86, which was uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Like over that six years, he really put out some great stuff. Um, and then, I mean, depending on how you feel about movies like Overboard, uh, he continued to make good movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I remember liking that movie. I mean, but I was a kid when it came out. Yeah. So I don't really... Sure. I haven't seen it in 15 or 20 years. Yeah, but Kurt Russell, to me, was always one of those guys that, like... uh, I mean, he made movies. He mm-hmm. was an actor in movies that were fun popcorn movies. Yeah. Like, I can't think of many he made that were, like, you know, sort of serious dramas or Oscar bait. Like, he was, he was always... He was sort of, like, a throwback to me... So like movie star guys, he's iron jawed, like men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That jaw on that guy. It's like watching movies like you know Tombstone. Yeah, where he's so good in it, and then going from that to Captain Ron, you know. Yeah, just like he, <laughs> I I love everything that he does. Yeah, yeah. It was always like fan centric, though. It felt mm-hmm. like like you're gonna love this movie. It's like you don't have to think too hard about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was always great. Yeah, like Snake Plissken is. I can't wait for someone to pick that movie. I, I, I almost picked that one. That was oh, that was God. another one on my list. So great. I, I had a huge list. I, I kept texting. I was I kept texting and then deleting it and then texting right. and deleting. It. Like maybe I, what about this one? I was like, uh, I was like nah. uh, Well, it's funny too because uh, Escape from L.A. is one of the worst movies it's I've ter- seen. It's terrible. Uh, someone might think it's kitsch, has kitsch appeal or something, but it it it's weird that it looked worse than the original movie mm-hmm. years later. They managed to make a movie that looked more dated than one in 1981. <laughs> it's crazy. I think with like with more money, maybe they just there wasn't like the, the vision that he had. Yeah, you know there was there was too, too too much money to make that vision. Like like in the first one, there wasn't that much. The budget wasn't that big. Yeah, so he had to be kind of focused on what he wanted. And the, the second one just seemed way overblown. Yeah, and it was just it was such a carbon copy. Mm-hmm. Uh. To the point where it was just like I was disappointed in John Carpenter. Yeah, it's like, man, you, you you're John Carpenter. Like you could do better than this. <laughs> and and you have so so many other times. Yeah, and like you could make an Escape from L.A. movie mm-hmm. that's better than this mm-hmm. by not doing sort of. I mean, it had the same exact plot line, the same ticking clock, and instead of the glider, he's in that underground. Uh, it was like a sub or something. He has like a weird boat. Thing. Yeah, it was yeah. just like just exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So disappointing. Um, but with the thing, let's get into that. <laughs> uh, first of all, watching it again two nights ago, I always forget about that very first shot of the spaceship. Oh, yeah. In outer space. Which, Which, I don't know why I forget about that. Because I guess it's so quick and, and and it's over so quick and you don't actually see the ship landing. It's just like a yeah. quick flyby and then it's kind of forgotten about. It's totally forgotten about until mm-hmm. uh, while well, they get to where it's buried under ice, mm-hmm. which, by the way, seeing that, um, I wish I had the, the Criterion, like the 4K mm-hmm. uh, DVD, but um, I did. I mean, it, it was a pretty decent looking uh, 
stream, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that I watched, but that's that's set of uh, the thing under ice is is just it holds up. It's so good looking. It's a it's a matte painting. Is it really? Yeah. It's like the the ship when they're standing and looking yeah. at it. Yeah, it's just a big mat. It's a big mat painting. I figured that's what it was. It's that, it's so funny that like those throwback effects mm-hmm. like still look better. It's yeah. I watched it. I, I have a, the 4K version of it, and I watched it this morning. It's it's such a beautiful movie. Everything yeah. about it looks great. It does. Yeah, it really does. And they did it so seamlessly with those matte paintings and like I don't know all the. The the lighting that the the DP did, I don't know it's beautiful. I who who was the DP? Do you remember? Uh, Dean Cundy, uh-huh. was his name. Like he did a lot of the uh, John Carpenter stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went back and saw the original Halloween this year as well because mm-hmm. I saw the new one in the movie theaters, and then uh, it might have even been Halloween night after uh, Emily and Ruby went to bed. I, I put on the original. Just so great, man. Carpenter, like I should do like a series on him. Mm-hmm. Just one of the true geniuses. Yeah, he really knows how to capture that that specific look. Yeah, that's oh, that's good. Well, and the tone that he has, I feel like through mm-hmm. his work um, with the music. Although he didn't do the music on this, I always thought he did. He did. I was watching a behind the scenes thing, and he did like small pieces. Did he? Yeah, the majority of it was the Ennio Morricone. Morricone, yeah. yeah. But then there's like small pieces here and there that he did little synth stuff just to fill in the pieces. All right, because yeah. I did notice a few of those, and I was like. That's got to be John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, but he he basically gives all the credit to Morcone, but like, uh, he, really? but he did a few things. Sure, mm-hmm. that's interesting. I wonder why uh, he felt like he had to hire it out. I I read somewhere where he said he liked him so much that he used Morcone's music at his wedding. Oh, and he just so he just wanted to work with him. I think he just wanted to work with him. Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I saw that it uh, that score was um, nominated for a Razzie. As the worst score. Yeah, I saw that too. Which is crazy to me. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still have it. I listen to a lot of scores when I'm writing, and that's one of the ones I go to. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. I never mm-hmm. thought about that. I listen to, and it's a lot of John Carpenter scores from his movies. The yeah. Real moody, synthy stuff. Yeah. I love listening to that when I'm writing. Yeah, Noel um, here, who who co-hosts on the Mini Crushes, he mm-hmm. uh, he's he's goes deep with the Carpenter stuff. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I need to start listening. That's a good idea to do it while you're writing. So um, the movie opens in uh, one of the most upsetting ways you can open a film, which is a helicopter uh, and a guy with a rifle trying to kill a dog <laughs> for a fucking bizarrely long time. It's, it, it, it feels it, like it just goes on and on. It's a long opening scene. I'm just like, go, dog, go, keep going. <laughs> it's really upsetting as a dog guy. But then afterwards you're kind of like, oh, wait. I kind of wish he would have killed him. Well. Afterwards. Sure. Um, because the dog is uh, – is the dog at that point mm-hmm. already – Oh, yeah. That, that's why they're trying to kill it because it's escaped from the Norwegian camp. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so they're trying to track it down and kill it before it gets to – you know, before it spreads. Right. Because the Norwegian camp has already undergone the mm-hmm. uh, the thing or whatever. Yeah. And I, I read what the what – the, uh, the pilot was saying when he was screaming at the guys and it's he's screaming like it's not a dog it's a thing pretending to be a dog get away from it like oh really yeah i wonder why i didn't subtitle that i think because it would have given it away Uh, yeah that's a good point (laughs) 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 it's like that's a dumb question uh yeah interesting Mm -hmm. um so that they they come in kurt russell has uh uh is it's funny watching it now like as a kid i'm like 
Yeah, man, the tough guys. This is like drinking that scotch. Drinking J&B and yeah. playing chess. And... But but now when I watch it, I'm like, he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. He's drinking the, the, whole, the whole movie. On the job, yeah. <laughs> on, on the lookout, while he's working, before he flies. It's like he has a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a kid, you just don't even notice those things. It's yeah, so funny. He's just up in his shack all by himself. Getting drunk on just, scotch. Yeah, it's getting wasted. And everywhere he goes, he grabs that scotch. <laughs> He's always and got it with him. One of the uh, – I pulled some bad reviews, and we'll get to that later because this it's movie like, was hated. Yeah, the opening shot, he's got the whiskey bottle, and then the ending shot, he's got the whiskey <laughs> bottle. <laughs> one of the guys from the original uh, the original version of this from 1951, mm-hmm. uh, one of the original filmmakers uh, panned it, and he said – here it is uh, – <laughs> He said, if you want blood, go to the slaughterhouse. All in all, it's just a terrific commercial for J&B Scotch. (laughs) (laughs) And it is pretty heavily like they had to have gotten some money. Probably because it's in there a lot. And that label is facing out. You see see it a lot. Every single time. (laughs) Just so bizarre. Like he he grabs it to go Mm -hmm. do – like to fight the thing, he'll yeah. grab like the gun in his <laughs> bottle of scotch. <laughs> it's crazy, which he douses the uh, the chess game with mm-hmm. because he can't lose to that computer. Oh, he's so pissed. He's so pissed. He's just so fucking cool looking in this movie too. Mm-hmm. That that beard and that hair, man. He's always had that beautiful hair. I read that where it took it took him like a year to grow the beard and the hair out for this really? role. Like I guess he had had it cut for whatever movie before that. He'd probably he'd never mm-hmm. cut it again, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not true, but I feel like he's still got that hair. He's still got it. I saw a picture of him the other day. It's like he's just it's got beautiful. that. Yeah, he's it's a beautiful, beautiful man. Hair, beautiful yeah. quaff. <laughs> God bless Kurt Russell. I'm so glad that uh, Tarantino sort of uh, Tarantinoed him. Oh, for uh, yeah, just get him back with mm-hmm. Death Proof and, and kind of everything else now. Like Hateful Eight, which is kind of related to the thing a little bit. Oh yeah, he said it was. Tarantino said it was like it's, the thing is what kind of inspired, you know, kind yeah. of inspired. Uh, hey, God, I didn't really like, think about it. You know, people in the snow. Isolated in the snow. Yeah. Who's guilty? Who's not? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because it's a sci-fi film with elements of horror. But at the root of it, it sort of becomes a uh, like an Agatha Christie. Yeah. Whodunit kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like one of one of us is the killer except mm-hmm. one of us is the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is one of my favorite sort of subgenres, uh, is to watch a movie like that. We have no idea who's done it, and like they're all trying to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, man, I've always wanted to write a movie, um, uh, and everyone is sort of like Clue, like mm-hmm. everyone's in the mansion, and one one of us is dead, and one of us did it, and we have to figure it out before sunrise. Uh, I, I just bought the there's a, a board game for the thing. I think okay, it, I heard it, about it, that. It came out last year, uh, but it's awesome. But it's basically Clue. Oh, really? And you're trying to figure out who's infected and who's uh-huh. not. And you're trying to, like, the people that aren't are trying to escape. I know it's it's an awesome game. Yeah, I teased the uh, episode on Facebook today on the Movie Crush page, and someone mm-hmm. talked about the game. Yeah. Is it all, is it is it fun? Oh, it's great. I love it. It's <sighs> And the design, is it cool? It's uh, Everything about it is, you can tell they did a lot. They put a lot of work into it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful game. Man, I need to get that. Yeah, it's really good. Like, yeah. uh, Mondo, I don't know if you know them. It's uh-huh. Like, they they're the ones that I think they're the ones that put it out. Now, are they the ones that do the cool movie posters? They do a lot of posters, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think I saw one for this one uh, that was sort of uh, it was a, it was an alternate take on the that iconic, like one of the great movie posters of all time. The one with the guy and he's standing there. Yeah, and, and which the John, lights blown out of his face. Yeah, which John Carpenter hated. 
Oh, really? Yeah, because he didn't want the movie to be a a, a guy in a suit. And so oh. when the poster came over, he's like, it looks like a guy in a suit. Uh-huh. Because uh, he didn't want, you know, he wanted to get away from that kind of thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the the guy that did the poster, he ha- he'd been giving like uh, very little detail about what the movie is. Uh-huh. And basically did it in a night. Oh, really? Sent it over. Huh. Yeah. I'd, I'd never uh, read any uh, – I'd never done any exploration on, on the original book mm-hmm. uh, that it came from until this interview. And uh, I don't know how much you know about it, but it really is like almost the exact same thing mm-hmm. as the movie. Uh, I mean, they change a couple of little elements here and there, but it's really, really similar, which I was kind of surprised for some reason. I thought it would be just sort of like heavily adapted and changed. Yeah, I, I- – I think he he didn't want to make the 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 movie the the first movie again. He uh-huh. wanted, he wanted to go back to the source material because the the original movie was so different from the book. Have you seen that one, the fifty one? Mm-hmm. Is it good? It's it's fun. It's like a you know just fifties sci fi sure guy walking around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's just like a fun old sci fi movie. Yeah, but it's nothing like the John Carpenter version. Right. What about the um, remake, the recent one? Did you see that? The prequel. Oh, is that what it was? It's a prequel, yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it deals with the, like, it kind of deals with the Norwegian camp. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Huh. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not nearly as good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of CG. Sure. But, uh, you know, it's still fun. Fun to watch. All right, I'm going to have to check that out. I thought mm-hmm. it was a straight-up remake. No. And so I was just like, fuck that. No, it's a prequel. All right, well, I'll check that out then. Mm-hmm. Um, who's in that? It's got a... Uh, I said actress's name. I know Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, yeah. She's in it. I like her. She's yeah, good. she's cool. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in it. I don't remember. I saw it in the theater and uh, I haven't seen it since. All right. I'm going to have to check that out then. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, we need, need to talk a little bit about the uh, hat on Kurt Russell, that cowboy uh, hat. Well, do you know anything about this? The kind of sombrero that's like folded up on the edges. Yeah, yeah. like what the deal is, where he came <laughs> up with that, why. I it's such in, a weird choice. In all of the, the behind the scenes stuff that I've read or interviews that I've read, I've never seen anywhere where he mentions the hat or like if really? it, or like whose idea it was or because it's so uh, so like attention grabbing. It's a very iconic thing for his character. Yeah, wearing that hat and those glasses. Yeah, it's. I, I had a pair of those glasses, by the way. That. Think, yeah, like that hooked over his ears. Yeah, the yeah. wraparound and then the, the sides <laughs> had the uh, little leather. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they were, I mean, obviously it, it kind of fits for where they were because um, they're like snow glasses mm-hmm. to keep out that blinding reflection. But um, I clearly got those because of this movie. <laughs> like there was no other reason for me living in Stone Mountain, Georgia <laughs> to have Antarctic snow glasses. <laughs> I got the, I had two pair of sunglasses because of uh, – Characters. I got those, mm-hmm. and I got the. Uh, uh, I was a big moonlighting fan, <laughs> and Bruce Willis uh, had these sunglasses that are now. The look on there, the Ray Ban. I can't remember which model. Um, the one with the uh, the frame on top only. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking and about. And sort of the green tint on mm-hmm. the sunglasses. He wore those on moonlighting. I just I don't remember that. Fucking coolest thing ever. So I had two two pairs of sunglasses in high school, largely. I haven't seen moonlighting in forever. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so weird cartoonish hat. Uh, he's setting up the movie in a, in a very like like you don't know what's going on yet, and it's hard for me to remember back kind of the first time I saw it. But 
you know, you know something's going on with this dog mm-hmm. just by the way he frames it and the music, and he's building this this tension. Um, but you certainly, as a first timer, don't know what is coming. Yeah, it, you, they just do all the shots of just the dog just creeping around yeah, by itself, just so effective, and just staring at things. It's like, uh, oh, it's so creepy. Like, what is what is it thinking? It is. It really <laughs> is because it looks just the way he shoots it. You can like you can tell that the dog is not a dog almost. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's maybe I'm retrofitting that in my brain because I know what happens. Mm-hmm. But he seems more sentient. They, the the dog they have, I guess the the trained dog. The things that they got it to do were great. How they got it to walk down the hall and stop at certain places and uh-huh. just creep into rooms. Uh, the the training that must have went into it. Oh yeah, yeah. You've worked with animals on set. It's I've. I've seen animals on set not behave very well. Yeah. yeah. It's always sort of a pain. <laughs> and animal wranglers are always so weird. It's so funny. They're usually pretty nice. No, they're always super nice. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of dogs not do anything they're supposed to do on set. Yeah, I feel like every animal wrangler I ever worked with was like this woman mm-hmm. who looked like she was from the 1970s still. <laughs> <laughs> who always just had long, straight hair parted down the middle <laughs> and, like, had this very special relationship with animals. Mm-hmm. Like, she just happened to have a lot of cats and a lot of dogs. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, maybe I can make a little money off this. Um, I felt so bad for these dogs, man. That that scene, the dog pen scene, is so upsetting. Oh, it's uh, It was actually, like, Stan Winston did the special effects for that one scene. Oh, really? Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, with the dog and the, like the ten- tentacles coming out of its oh, back, God, and like, it's so upsetting. Uh, it splits open and its skull yeah. comes out. The... Splits open four ways like a fucking banana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like really quick when it splits open, and you see just the skull of the dog, and then that the skull falls, and there's just like this weird tongue thing. Yeah, just... I mean, it's over the the movie as a whole is just over the top grotesque, mm-hmm. which I love, and um, but that's one of the reasons why it got hammered so bad by critics at first. Mm-hmm. Was they just felt it was just so gratuitous, which, which is weird because like I even as a kid I never thought it was. It never grossed me out in a way like uh, a slasher movie would. Same like, because it's like the gore in this is so, you know, n- not human. It's, yeah, it's like a monster being torn apart. It's yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah, I never thought of it as gross. It never, it never bothered me. No, I, absolutely the same thing here. Mm-hmm. It's not like seeing human beings get you know tortured or. Uh, you know, slashed or yeah, exactly. beaten, especially beaten. Mm. It's just like very visceral and like I take that on as something that could happen to me maybe. Mm-hmm. But I'm the same way. This never bothered me at all because I would read those magazines and I would see the uh, like Fangoria when they would do those articles on Stan Winston and like kind of how it's all done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never upset me. Yeah, yeah. It, it never bothered me. And, and there's some very intense uh, stuff that happens in this movie. Oh, man. And Karen, she can't watch it. Yeah. She's like, uh, is this a gross part? And then she would like run out of the room. Interesting. What's yeah. the, uh, what's your best, what's your big moment, um, monster and effects wise? Oh, the, the whole scene with the, uh, the Norse character, the Norse character on the table and they're, yeah. uh, you know, his <laughs> arm plunges to the stomach that's the and, one. It, and it bites his arms <laughs> off and then, and then his head like, Rips off his torso becomes a bear trap. Yeah, <laughs> basically, uh, it's yeah. the moment of the movie. Like in in a, in a movie with a bunch of great like gory mm-hmm. moments, that's the one. That's the one that's always stood out. You know, and, and it bites the guy's arms off. And they yeah. actually had a, a guy that was a double amputee, and they had fake arms on him. So oh, they actually really? tore the fake arms off. 
So when he pulled back, it was a guy that actually didn't have arms and it was just like the weird stumps that they uh-huh. put on him. And then when his head f- comes off the table and it's all the stretchy yeah. tentacles and then the spider legs come out of it. Oh, it's like God, the, dude. The, like it just doesn't stop. It just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it it really – it's he's one-upping himself constantly in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Carpenter is, or and the the uh, well, who's, who's the guy? Botten. Uh, I think it's oh, Botin. Botin, yeah. Rob Botin, yeah, like who, legend. Who was he, only like twenty one or twenty two at the time doing this? I know he was a kid. He was a kid and he, retired like too early. Mm-hmm. Like he's still young. He could be working. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I looked up and I mean he's got a just legendary resume, and I know he's been like well respected in the. In the creature community. <laughs> yeah. So I think he did The Howling right before this. Yeah. Which is another one of my favorite movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable. Oh, another thing that um really struck me watching this time was uh, his use of uh, the flares and using flares as practical lighting. Oh, yeah. It, which is like a, such so a, cool. a contrast between like all the blue uh-huh. and coldness of everything and then like the that bright pink. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so cool because it creates a bit of a – Lens flare mm-hmm. at the same time, but um, and yeah, I guess against uh, all that icy sort of white and blue everywhere, the contrast is really really cool. Yeah, because I know John Carpenter wanted everything to be very muted and kind of kind of bland looking inside the building. Uh-huh. Then everything outside is either just white or blue, and then so just to have that hot pink, yeah, light of the flares is I know it was always like a. Like kind of a shocking thing to see because yeah. it was like it kind of comes out of nowhere because there's no other lights like that in the whole movie and then all of a sudden boom that pink yeah and he explodes. does it a lot too yeah they wound up using it a lot towards the end uh huh very effective um and then uh, for me as a kid like I don't know what it is maybe it's like the sort of summer campy thing but like mm-hmm. anytime they like those opening scenes where it showed the guys like all like playing ping pong and all huddled around mm-hmm. and it was kind of the same in Alien there was something about those places and those sets where I like I wanted to be there yeah absolutely it's just like a cool like as a kid it's like, it's like a clubhouse exactly I mean that rec room it had like arcade games uh-huh. pool tables and there was alcohol I mean not as a kid sure alcohol, but like but now it's you know yeah I'd, I'd love to go hang out there I would totally love to go <laughs> hang out there in Antarctica it's still not clear what they're doing or is it did I miss that it never it just says they're doing research but right I know there's Two of the people are, are biologists, and w- uh, one of the guys is like a <clears throat> meteorologist. But it doesn't really say what they're actually researching while they're right. there. Right. But it's not – it has nothing to do with aliens. Mm-mm. Like this is all just bad luck. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and like uh, it never expos- says if the Norwegians were actually looking for aliens or if they were just doing research and stumbled upon it. Right. Uh, you know, because they could have like – Find out something was there and went there specifically to go find it. Uh-huh. But it, I don't know. It never, it never says. Which I love movies that do that that don't feel they have to explain everything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, the movie, like, I think I unfairly tagged it as a alien, um, not ripoff, but like it's so close to Alien in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But until I did the research about the original book. Like it's 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 true to that book. It's yeah. not a ripoff of Alien. If anything, Alien ganked from the original thing book, <laughs> you know. But they are very similar. Oh yeah, uh, which is like it's one of my favorite. I don't know if it's a genre. Where it's, I just love the stories where it's like a small group of people isolated that are totally isolated. Yeah, man. And there's no 
chance of hope. Uh-huh. You, know, or, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody coming to save them. Yep. And they have to fight this. That's why I love like the thing in Alien and Predator. It's like, yeah, there's all by themselves having to fight this thing that's way bigger than them. Yeah, yeah. Like this boss that, and in this movie, the the final boss is just like ridiculous. Oh, the the but, Blair monster. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, that was Blair, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he very effectively. Um, well, real quick, by the way, I have to say when I look up, when I watch movies now, I do a lot of cross referencing of ages. Mm-hmm. Like, how old was this person when they made that movie? Because yeah. as I get older, I'm just constantly upset by by these uh, <laughs> revelations, but. Wilford Brimley, dude, was a fucking year older than I am now when he made this movie. Really? <laughs> and I'm like, Wilford Brimley always was 80. Like, how is that possible? Like, e- even in that movie, he looks... He's 48, dude. He, But he looks like 60. Well, and that, to be fair, I did... Uh, they actually wrote about that, how Wilford Brimley always was looked way older and mm-hmm. was cast way older. So it made me feel a little bit better. But I, when I first saw he was 48, I was so upset. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be 48 in like four months. I'm going to be Wilford Brimley's age in the thing. Uh, but he very effectively gets rid of him uh, and and they isolate him by himself. Mm-hmm. And as a viewer, you forget he's there. You do for a long time until they're like, oh, we're going to go check him after they do the whole blood test scene. Uh-huh. And then they're like, oh, we, sh- we should go test him. And then... I forgot – I've seen this movie a bunch of times mm-hmm. and I even found myself sort of forgetting. It's like, oh, yeah. Fuck, man. He's – this is not going to be good. Yeah. He's been in there by himself and the thing has been having its way with him basically. I, I read somewhere where the – John Carpenter wanted him to be like kind of a he, – like he got assimilated very early on. Oh, OK. And then kind of forgotten about so, you know, you don't really know. That's why I became the super boss. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And like, and that's why he was like destroying everything. So he wanted to trap everybody there. Yeah. And that one great scene, this is so classic. The, uh, you know, I feel better now. Yeah. I want to come inside. I, I feel a lot better. I, I feel a lot better. I'd really, I'd like to, I'd like to be let out and I'm come inside. Gonna, and there's like a, a noose. There's like a, there's like a, a He's noose. made his own noose. <laughs> I feel a lot better. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I love that Kurt Russell just kind of closes that door. He's like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Nah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, his boss is great. I think the moment for me though still is the chest uh, becoming the bear trap or mm-hmm. the the head spider. When when the which, which guy is it that where his head basically becomes the body of the spider? Oh, well, that, that, I think it's that that scene where is it that same yeah, one? Yeah, because like his his chest becomes a bear trap, and then while they're uh, fuck, you know shooting with the flamethrower, right. his his head <laughs> that they all, off camera like you know oh uh, that's uh, right yeah, peels off the table and yeah it becomes a spider and crawls that's around when it grows legs yeah and it goes out the door and they're like. You gotta be fucking kidding me! <laughs> yeah, like that. That line is so great because as a, as a audience member, you're thinking exactly. Yeah, that. you're like, oh my like, god, seriously, really? <laughs> the head became a spider, and I love that it's never explained. Like you don't need mm-hmm. anything. It's just it's. Uh, and I know that that he got some grief for it for at the time, but Carp- Carpenter's always defended that mm-hmm. choice, being like, you don't you don't need to explain what this is. Yeah, how it got here. I mean, it should. The spaceship, you didn't even need to show that. Yeah. And uh, and even like uh, Caruso's character even says is like, you know, it's different from us. Yeah. We don't know what it is. You know, how, yeah. how am I supposed to know what it is? It's We just know that it's different. Yeah. You know, and that's enough of an explanation to know that, you know, you don't know what to expect from it. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it becomes that whodunit thing um, and the tension at that point when they're all like, you know, it could be any one of us. Mm-hmm. It's just such a great 
thing to do in a movie. And the blood test scene when they're actually trying to figure out who it is. So like, great. Oh, it's okay. And that's in the book. Is it? Yeah. I've, n- I've never read the book. Well, I didn't read it, but I read the big plot synopsis, and mm-hmm. they do that. They draw blood, and he uses a piece of hot coiled wire, nice. and it's just like straight up from the book. And uh, it's so tense every time that thing touches the blood, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, you don't know who it's going to be, and then you don't know, like, what the reaction from the blood will yeah. be. Yeah. Is there even going to be one? <clears throat> right. Until it explodes out. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, it's so good. Yeah, it's so effective. <laughs> And then everyone, you know, it's like that. Uh, it's almost like a Russian roulette or something. Mm-hmm. Like each dude, and they're all tied together, which is great. Because when <laughs> who is it that's revealed in that scene? What's the uh, character? P- Palmer. Yeah, Palmer's revealed. Yeah, and he starts, you know, thinging, mm-hmm. and everyone's just like fucking untied. <laughs> they're all tied up right next to him. Like, Get yeah. me the fuck out of here! <laughs> it was so great. And what's the one great line? Like. I don't want to be tied to this fucking chair. Oh, yeah. He was like, like, I know you guys have been through a lot, but yeah. I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, man. I have it just on my notes here in all caps with exclamation points. Blood test scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, that you know, it's funny. In that blood test scene, he – that that flamethrower – a lot of great – flamethrower shit in this movie. A lot, yeah. But uh, it malfunctions Mm -hmm. just long enough for the thing to fully realize, which becomes like the greatest gift to the audience. Because you could have just zapped him immediately. Yeah. But then he fangs out and then winds up killing the character Windows. Yeah. With the whole like lifting them up off the... Oh, God. Like his head splits open, bites the other guy, and is like swinging him around the place. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) It's a a little comical when you look at it now because it's like... yeah. You know, it's like, you know, obviously a fake body with fake legs kicking, but it's... Yeah, but that's uh, sort of the B-moviness of it that still, like... Mm -hmm. That's why this movie holds up, I think, Mm -hmm. is because you don't judge it through today's standards. But but even today's standards, it's it's still an amazing movie. Yeah. A a lot of it does hold up compared to now. Yeah, I mean, the effects are the effects. Like, they Mm -hmm. are early 80s effects, which are super impressive if you can, like, put your head in that... uh, if you can judge it for what it was, mm-hmm. um, like CG, like this is real shit. Yeah, you know, like it's made out of slime and plastic and, and melted plastic and melted bubble gum <laughs> and a lot of other chemicals, and they almost they almost blew up the set. Oh, really? Yeah, that the the, the set with the when the head was you know peeling off the body, uh-huh. all the stuff in the neck apparently was toxic and releasing toxic fumes. Uh, that didn't surprise me. And right before they were about to shoot it, John Carpenter's like, "Oh wait, they're supposed to be flame." flames because they're you know using a flamethrower on his stomach so they go and they light the thing and this huge fireball apparently just you know blows up in the room wow and they're like you know fortunately it didn't you know hurt anybody yeah and they were able to save the prop but oh really yeah but they almost killed everybody (laughs) man i know that they shot um some of the exteriors in like alaska uh it was in British Columbia, oh, okay. Stuart, British Columbia. I think there was a little bit shot in Alaska, but like the actual uh, the outposts, uh-huh. the base was in British Columbia. Okay. Yeah. But And then all the interiors were just refrigerated uh, sets. Sound stages in L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so funny, man. The magic of movies. I always get fooled, which is great. <laughs> uh, so then we get to the end, you know, that great final like 15 minutes when the guys are, you know, dwindling. Mm-hmm. They basically decide, 
Well, they always split up, which is so funny in this movie because the one of all movies, mm-hmm. this is like the movie where you should always have you a buddy. You should always stay together. Yeah. <laughs> never never leave one person by themselves. Right. And they do. They leave uh, Childs, like Keith uh-huh. David, they leave him by himself. Oh, he's so good in this too. Yeah, he's amazing. Love that guy. But they're like, you just wait here and we'll go do this other thing. And they yeah. leave him alone. It's like, why would you leave anybody alone? Yeah. They, they all, you know, especially when they're, and I, mean, I guess they're trying to blow the place up mm-hmm. like in quick order so they can't all stay together. But uh, it's just that tension is just ratcheting up over that last 15 minutes um, with the, you know, inevitable explosion of mm-hmm. kind of everything. Yeah, when they're going down into the uh, the generator room with all those giant barrels of oil and – yeah. Like uh, the the generator, like it's just gone. Like the thing just took it. Yeah. Instead of just blowing it up, it's just gone. So like, there's no hope of getting any heat back. And, like, yeah. What? And, how, how, I mean, none, none of that is ever explained. Obviously. Well, it it's. I think it it, it took it, so <laughs> their heat would be gone. You know, there's. And, how did it take it? Where did it go? Where did it go? Right. I <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 strong enough to burrow underground. Oh. Um, it could could have hidden it. Okay. Could have thrown it outside somewhere. Right. But yeah, it is one of those things like, where did it go? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and Kurt Russell has one of the great uh, last lines. Well, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in there screaming at him. He's like, well, fuck you too. And just throws it right at it. Yeah. If you, if, you, if you look at the monster, you can see half of Blair's head is coming out of the big monster head uh-huh. on one side. It's like Blair's face is on the other. Like Wilford Brimley's face is like oh, coming yeah. out of the other side. It's just so badass, man. Yeah, so cool. Well, in the uh, just the, I think what made it creepy too was the um, those those faces still being a part of it, mm-hmm. like the fact that it took over a host body, so that host body's still there in a certain yeah. way, so you could just make it so grotesque. Yeah, because like you know, it'll add like pieces of dog and pieces of like human, but yeah. then there's also other alien bits from you know aliens that other <laughs> aliens it's assimilated hundred thousand yeah. years ago. It's like. All that stuff is all combined into this one thing. Yeah, because it's from the past, right? Didn't they mm-hmm. say that the spaceship was it's, like 100,000? It's been, it's been frozen for about 100,000 yeah. years, yeah. Which is so cool. Mm-hmm. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.
Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So the reviews... I did not know because I grew up in the – as you did with the – sort of in the midst of the reevaluation period mm-hmm. when it became a hit on VHS and uh, and I guess like HBO and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it get, it really got killed. It did. It, it, it barely made its money back. And uh, I mean some of the, the magazines that you would think should be behind it, mm-hmm. um, uh, Cine Fantastique. I know it was in a movie magazine that ordinarily would support stuff like the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it said, is it the most hated movie of all time? Uh, dismissed by some as instant junk, wretched excess. Uh, L.A. Times' Linda Gross said it was bereft, despairing, and nihilistic. Uh, Newsweek magazine said the film uh, confused uh, confused the use of effects with creating suspense and that it lacked drama by sacrificing everything at the altar of gore. <laughs> Uh, and it had a real impact on Carpenter. Apparently, he lost. He was going to direct Firestarter, mm-hmm. but was not fired, but like n- not given that opportunity. Uh, and then he had a multiple contract, a multiple film contract at the time that Universal opted to buy him out of. Yeah, it I was read such that. a failure. Which is crazy because it's such an amazing movie. I, I don't I, get it. I don't get how people didn't like it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. But then, like we said, on uh, VHS, uh, there was a critical reevaluation over the years. And now uh, it has since been called like one of the best films of the year, one of the great sci-fi horror movies of Mm -hmm. all time, uh, which is pretty cool. Like Carpenter at least can feel good about it after all these years. Yeah, I think a lot of it probably didn't do so well was because it came out like – I think like E.T. came out the week before or something. Yeah, well, that did not help. And It didn't help, yeah. (laughs) Everybody was like riding that – Happy feel good alien vibe and yeah. And then this movie came along and was like not that. Eighty two is a crazy year though because mm-hmm. like Blade Runner came out that year. Came out the same day as the thing. Oh, that's right. They got released on the same day and neither one of them did well. Yeah. They, I, they did both, Blade Runner get critically panned at the time? Uh, or? I don't know, but I know it didn't do well in the box office. Yeah. Not you know, you know, it's just like the thing. It became like a big cult hit afterwards. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so crazy. Eighty two. E.T. really, like, ruined everything. <laughs> Such a good movie, though. Mm-hmm. I was into all of it, you know? Yeah, me too. I For love, sure. I, I, I can watch any movie. I, I, I love watching movies. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll watch everything. Yeah. I, for a while, I was working at a video store and a movie theater at the same time. Uh, wow. I was a projectionist at a theater. Oh, cool. And I just watched movies all the time. Wow, so you were projectionist, huh? Mm-hmm. What from, was that like? Oh, it was great. It was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Yeah. It was from 2001 to 2004. Cool. And it was a small eight-screen theater in Decatur, Alabama. Uh-huh. So it was like 
all still film at the time. Yeah. Uh, building movies, putting all the movies together. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. My brother was a, a general manager at um, the Phipps uh, AMC mm-hmm. for yeah. a while. He went to a few, but that was the one mainly where he worked. And so he he got he would take me up in the projection booth, and the dudes would show me how it worked, and mm-hmm. it was just so fucking cool. It's yeah, I it was it was one of the best jobs I've ever had, and I I, I almost got a job at the Plaza here in town uh-huh. when I first moved here, but I was doing a, a like a video for weddings, uh-huh. and I had like one weekend left to do this video. Uh, and that's the weekend they wanted me to start working at the plaza. Right. It's like I couldn't get out of the other thing, and so they went up hiring somebody else. But could you still do it? You still got the chops? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it was such muscle memory, you know, because you're basically just doing the same motions over and over again when you're threading everything. Right. Uh, I could do it pretty quick. I could, you know, you know, build a movie, and it was like 35 minutes. Because how, how many different cans do they come on? Uh, an average. Movie usually came on like two cans and like six reels. Okay. Uh, but then I was also building the trailer reels and the commercial reels like, uh-huh. and put, put, just putting everything together. I could do like four or five movies in a night. Wow. Yeah. You never told me you were a projectionist, dude. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I did that. And I've worked at five different video stores. Yeah, I did that in college mm-hmm. for a little while. I worked at Vision Video in Athens. Oh, nice. Which was one of the greats. Yeah, I got to go visit that before it closed down. Yeah. Yeah. Very sadly. Very sad. Um, did you work at one here in town? Uh, no. No. It was in uh, Auburn, Alabama. Uh-huh. I lived there up before I moved here and I worked at two different ones there and then two in Decatur, Alabama and then one in uh, – I lived in Nashville for a year. Oh, cool. So I was like a manager at a blockbuster there. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, you were working at a theater, working at a video store. So you were just fully immersed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I Every movie that came into the theater I watched, uh, most – Mostly to make sure that I put it together right. Right. But uh, yeah, I would just watch everything. What uh, when you're putting a movie? Uh, we're getting so like derailed here at the end. Sorry. But it's like <laughs> the coolest job to me is projectionist. You uh, so you put the movie together, you, you start the screening, mm-hmm. and then do you immediately have to hustle to the next one, or do, is there downtime? Uh, there's usually the start times were staggered a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I could you know f- f- you know. You know, thread it. It only took like a minute to thread it and get it started. Uh-huh. I could go to the next one and thread that and get it started. And then it's like quality control. Mm-hmm. And then after I had all of them done, then I would basically go down and go in, actually walk into the theater to make sure the sound was right. Yeah. The picture looked clear. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, it's great. That's an important – like so many of them, I'm glad like you took it seriously. I yeah. think most projectionists do. Yeah, because I, I – watching movies is like an escape for me. Yeah. I, I love getting like – like super into it, uh-huh. and just kind of like losing myself in the movie, and yeah. I never want anybody to get taken out of that experience. Yeah, so awesome. That's God's work, my friend. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's the thing. Let's finish up with the five questions. Nice. Um, I didn't pull a quote from Ebert. I usually do what Ebert said, but he did give it two and a half stars, and mm-hmm. his take was basically like, you know, some people are going to love this thing. It is what it is. <laughs> like he didn't <laughs> he didn't shit on it. He was just like whatever. But he he didn't like sing its praises either. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. Uh, what is the first uh, movie you saw in the theater? The first one that I can vividly remember seeing in the theater was probably like Return of the Jedi. Mm. Um, I I can remember going to – this was back when the theater was inside the mall yeah, in my sure. hometown before it you know, moved outside the mall and was in its own building. Yeah. But I remember my mom taking me. I remember uh, her and I going like three times to see it. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude, your mom sounds fucking cool as shit. Oh, she's great. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, my mom's great too, but they just didn't have great cultural tastes. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I, I, I mean, was, like, I also got, I mean, even with my dad, when I would go stay with my dad, he was also like super into movies too. It's yeah. like, he loves action, science fiction. He loved yeah. all that too. So I got it from both of them. Yeah. This all makes sense now mm-hmm. of who Craig Johnson is. <laughs> um, what was the first R-rated movie that you saw? I... Uh, the first one I saw in the theater that I probably I snuck into was probably Terminator 2. Yeah. Um, but like just seeing R-rated, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of movies very young that was that were R-rated. Yeah. Just going to friend's house and staying up late and watching. Yep. You know, being like eight years old, watching something on HBO. Right. Middle of the night. I don't know. There's, there's there's a lot that I saw. Yeah. So you were you were in there. Yeah. Uh, earlier than you should have been. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have cable or satellite growing up. Oh, okay. So – why it, rural or rural? Yeah, we lived kind of too far off the road for them to run a cable uh-huh. and satellite. We just couldn't really afford it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my I got cable way late. Yeah, all, all of my cousins had it. A lot of my friends had it. So uh-huh. every time I'd go to their house, I would bring VHS tapes to record movies. Yeah, so I had stacks of VHS recorded movies. That's great. Uh, number three, will you walk out of a bad movie? I've I've never walked out of a movie. I believe that. I I can usually, if even if I'm not enjoying the story, I can usually. Or, I mean, if I'm not enjoying it, I can still get into the story. Mm-hmm. And once I start it, I usually want to see how it ends. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, like maybe I have to finish it. I just, I just want to know how it ends. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good respect for the. I've had a lot of people that say sort of like, I feel like I almost owe the respect of <laughs> finishing this thing because you know. Especially as a crew member, mm-hmm. just how much work goes into it. A lot, so much work. Yeah, months and months of just filming, and that's not included like the prep ahead of time yeah. and all the post work. It's it's a lot of work. Do you find yourself sort of looking at uh, sets a lot more now that you do that kind of work, or I can you just sort of forget about all that? I yeah, I try to just forget about it because I I don't, I don't want to pick apart movies. Yeah, yeah. I just want to experience them. Yeah, and I try not to think about. I try not to figure out what's going to happen in a movie. Right. Like, I don't want to know. Right. I want the movie to, you know, surprise me. It's like, you know, if there is like a whodunit, I don't want to try to figure out who did it. <laughs> That's cool, man. I just want to watch it. Emily gets mad at me sometimes because I'm like, oh, you know what's totally going to happen. Yeah. She's like, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to know what's totally going to happen like, or wanna... what you think it's totally <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> Although, I mean, it, uh, uh, ideas do pop in my head, like, you know, what I think will happen, but I try to keep it to myself and try to forget about it. Yeah. I just want to watch it. I just want to experience it. Yeah, that's cool. It's funny too, though. What sometimes I'll do that, or Emily will do, say a line that they say, or something like mm-hmm. finish a line before they do. Yeah, and it's most times like a tropey line, but we always will say to each other, "I could write this shit." <laughs> that's like our, our ongoing joke. I could write this shit. I could write this. Um, number, uh, I tailor this one to the guest. Number four. So let me think. What's a good one for you? Um, I'm going to throw you a music curveball. Uh, what's your favorite 80s uh, band and or song? Oh, geez. Yeah. Ugh, it's tough. I – Here, get back on that. Yeah, I love uh, The Cars mm. so much. Great pick. And, but, it, but I also love like uh, – That debut album of theirs. One of the best debut albums of all time. It's so good. It's like a greatest hit. Mm-hmm. That was their first record. Yeah, Rick Ocasek and Benjamin Ward. Yeah. 
amazing. Yeah. They're both so good. Uh, what was the other one you were going to say? Uh, but I also love like hollow notes. I know you do. But you know, I, I grew up listening, you know, hearing all that on the radio. Also, I was a big Huey Lewis in the News fan as a kid. Yeah, me too. As a kid, that was like my first concert I ever went to was Huey Lewis in the News. Yeah, I think I was like ten years old, and my mom wanted to go, so we went together. I was into them too, man. Yeah, it's funny, it's and it's funny they had a song called "Hip to Be Square" yeah. because. <laughs> Looking back, like, they weren't the coolest band in the world. No, definitely not. But I was way into it. Yeah. I was not ashamed. Yeah, I loved it. I think we had very similar, like, we were a lot alike probably growing up. I think so. You know? <laughs> Sweet little church kids. Uh, is there any better song than You Make My Dreams Come True? I mean, man. It's so good. The beginning of that song, every single time just gets me. I don't even know what that is. What are they playing? What is that? I don't know. I'd have to hear it. <laughs> what is that? Is that a keyboard? Probably. Yeah, that's got to be it. Uh, and then finally, movie going 101, mm-hmm. when you get to, you still go to the theater a lot probably, uh, right? Yeah, as much as I can. Yeah. I love going to, I love going to the theater. What's, what's your, what's your jam? What's your ritual? I usually, when I was a kid, I would always get like a Coke and the whole bag of like the family pack size of Twizzlers mm-hmm. and just eat the whole thing myself. Mm-hmm. But now I like uh, a theater where I can get a beer. Oh. I love getting a drink at the nice. movie theater. Okay. Uh, and sometimes, so Midtown's great for that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll go to the Highlander and have a, a drink or two before. Yeah. And, you know, I know. Little boozy movies then. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I love having a little bit of a buzz going to watch a movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I. But as far as like where I sit, I usually like – I, I like sitting in the middle or maybe a little bit towards the back. It depends on how big the theater is. Right. If it's like a big, huge theater, I like sitting that seat um, that's like the first one up on the stadium where there's like the bars mm-hmm. that you can put your feet up on. Yeah. Love everyone that. loves that. I love that so I much. never do that move. I should do that. It's comfortable because you can, you can kind of relax. Yeah. I've been moving closer lately, I've mm-hmm. noticed, because uh, I had been sitting pretty far back and like, oh, I'd just like to have the whole thing in my field of vision. Yeah. Um. But I've been going a little closer, and it's mm-hmm. a bit more immersive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. It's interesting. I found myself just easing. And this is on my, my going to see movies by myself because Emily doesn't mm-hmm. want to sit close. But we never get to the movies, like, together. It's rare. Yeah. It's it's gotten harder and harder for, for, for Karen and I to go to the movies together because our schedules are so different yeah. from work. Uh, and Stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's hard to go together a lot of the time. I know. It's ironic that people that work on movies – or some of the biggest movie lovers, and they never get to go to the movies because they're working so much. Exactly. But I also know a lot of people that work in the business, and they're like, yeah, it's just a job. Well, and they're like, that is true. Yeah. There's, it's like half I'm not going to mention which departments, yeah. <laughs> but some, some departments are more full of film lovers than others. Absolutely. And some are just like, no, nah, man, this, this gets me my jet ski. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every summer on, on the, in, at my lake house. <laughs> I won't talk about grips and electrics. What? Uh, that is funny that way, though. Mm-hmm. It's sort of just like a little more like a blue collar, like union job for some of these people. For, for a lot of people, yeah. But it's also, you're right, it's also like half just like film junkies. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. Yeah. I uh, On Stranger Things, I got to work with one of the guys that was the first AC, like the focus puller, mm-hmm. that he worked on The Thing. Oh, wow. And it was like his first movie. Really? And he was also the focus puller on season one of Stranger Things. Wow. Like he was still doing it. Pretty did amazing. You, did you pepper him with questions? I or? did. Yeah. 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 He was super nice about it and he was excited to talk about it. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. That's usually the case. Mm-hmm. All right, dude. Well, this was great. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thank you. All right, man. 
All right, everyone. I enjoyed that. Uh, Craig, I was super uh, excited to learn at the end there that he was a projectionist. I wish I would have known that going in. We would have front-loaded that stuff. Uh, Such a cool job. And I'm glad that he was able to uh, sort of illuminate uh, us as to what that job is like and what that entails. Very cool. Like, that's the the final uh, uh, watchman for the quality of a film projection is that projectionist. So it was really neat to learn about that and to hear about his work on Stranger Things, uh, season three. His uh, his music was Space Knife. Go check that out. And then the great discussion we had about the thing. Uh, you could tell Craig loves loves this movie, and uh, it's just uh, one of the, one of the great all time sci fi horror films. And I'm glad it is recognized as such now. Uh, I don't know what critics were thinking back then. I guess they weren't ready for it. They were not ready for how awesome that movie was. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, it was uh, reevaluated over the years and is now a classic, classic film. And one of the best of 1982, which is one of the best years in film for me. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, go watch The Thing if you haven't. I'm going to check out that prequel now that I know it's a prequel. For sure. Why not, right? And thanks for listening. So until next week, everyone, remember, don't go anywhere without that bottle of J&P Scotch. Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt at HowStuffWorks Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.